Attention, all true believers. Welcome to the, uh, the fifth episode of Your Brain on Comics. I am your host, the Bent One, and I am the one who possesses the cosmic control rod. <laughs> I'll bet you do. Uh, the Unman speaking. Yes, and this week, um, I know this is stuff's getting out a little bit late. Um, this one, uh, due to our release schedule, I, this is this is being recorded um, the weekend after Comic Con, but it's probably going to get released later this week. So I'll preface that by saying these news stories, the news stories we'll be talking about, are a little bit outdated. I'm um, you know only by a week, which is not that bad in the comic book the comic book industry. There are so there's so much stuff coming out every day. It's it's absolutely insane. And, uh, and comic books, unlike like ripe tomatoes, don't go bad. You know they. They actually kind of last forever. Right. Only if which they is one of their virtues. Only if they are produced badly do they fester and you know mold, uh, collect mold in the corner. Exactly, kind of plastic bag there and fills up with gas. <laughs> and you know, uh, some of those uh, 1963 Batman uh, issues have have exploded in my closet. In that instance, it is best to uh, to ignore those comics and let them fester, or possibly clean them out, whichever fits your living conditions better. Oh. Or it could be like sauerkraut or kimchi. Like, the more skanky it gets, you know, some of us, the more we like it. <laughs> Except everyone everyone hates it but that weird Chinese dude in the corner who cannot get enough of it. Yeah, who we, and we, we keep him around for that very reason. Right. Well, yes, and that's that's who we aim to be. We aim to be the person who can who can appreciate the skanky kimchi comics. Hey, the more, the, the more you appreciate, the richer you are. Rich with culture. Well, I don't. I don't know about that. Maybe you just smell very pungently. But well, that's true. I well, mean, I don't want to know somebody who actually knows how to love a dog shit sandwich. <laughs> there is someone out there. Oh well. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. Uh, enough of this inane blather. Let's enough. get let's get on to the weekly page count. Which, comics. Which, this is of course the segment where we talk about the comics we've been reading. Uh, you know, between shows, obviously. Uh, we have a bit of a um, a bigger stretch this time. We took a break last week. Um, yes, uh, I know no, no, no episodes have been coming out. Uh, by the time you've heard this, several new episodes will have been released, which I've been working on. Uh, yeah, Comic-Con kind of kicked us in the ass, but, oh boy, there's a, if you haven't heard the, the two-hour special episode on Comic-Con with me, uh, me and Hot Bonnie, you gotta go check that out. So much amazing stuff came out and was discussed. Um, but anyway, I picked up a bunch of stuff. I mentioned briefly the things I had bought on that episode, but... I'm going to talk a little bit about the things I actually read. Um, uh, well, one that I think um, w- one of my favorites that I got was a book called Saga, and I haven't read all the way through this, but this is um, it's it's there's volume one is uh, there's only one excuse me volume one is out and it's written by uh, Brian K. Vaughan and uh, art is by uh, Fiona Staples. This is a really interesting book. It's the way it was described to me is that it it's kind of set in a Star Wars like universe, if only because of like you know the all the different types of worlds and the different creatures and you know iconic species that interact with each other. 
and uh, it's very kind of like intergalactic. But there are notable differences where like one of the races is known for using magic, and um, it follows these these two uh, characters from two different species. One of which is um, is this man who comes from this magic using uh, society where they all have kind of like goat horns. They're all that's like their distinguishing feature, and the other. Is oh, it, that's annoying. I know. Well, his his is actually done cool because he's got the ram's <laughs> horns, so they curl they kind of curl around his head. It's a very interesting look for the character, as opposed to just little tiny pointy nubs sticking out of your face. Oh, the nubby horns are the worst. Oh no, Th- these are these are great curling epic horns. It, it looks oh. great. It really does look great. Um, good, good. Excellent character design. The other ram the horns, other, in fact. Sorry, in the uh, the his um his uh, his partner is this woman who uh, she's got these wings, kind of like, the, almost like these strange insectile wings. Um, and she's a part of another race of uh, creatures who all have, like, different types of wings. And they, it starts out with them, basically, they're, they're, they're locked up in this, it looks almost like a garage that they've rented out, specifically so that, um, you know, they, she can give birth to their child. And things and Im- immediately after that start going horribly, horribly wrong. Uh, they've been sold out apparently this is something that is very frowned upon and in the societies of these uh, of this you know giant intergalactic space empire kind of thing uh as far as i can tell there's a lot of kind of talk and uh about kind of like um you know and not necessarily a racism but it's like um you know, just a oh what's the word i'm looking for oh yeah no yeah, there's a lot of talk about discrimination about these different species. Uh, mm, it seems like there's mm. some sort of like a uh, genocide going on against um, the uh, the magic race. Uh, it's mm. it's very it, the the art is has a it's more of a realistic style, but it's loose enough and angular enough that it real it really comes off as like a really nice style. Uh, the faces aren't that expressive, which is one of my biggest pet peeves in comics is when the faces just don't quite match up with the emotion. Although there are some really... There's there's some moments when the faces really do come through, but it's kind of inconsistent. Um, anyway, I would I would highly suggest picking this up. It's a really, really nice-looking comic. It reads very well. It's And it, it's just kind of strange enough to, to pique, I think, any real comic... Um, comic enthusiast's interest. Well, I'm peaked. Uh, I'm peaking right now, as a matter of fact. Whoa! Yes. Uh, Saga? Is yeah, that yeah, the name? It's, uh, Saga, S-A-G-A, put out by Image Comics. Uh, volume 1 is available right now. I picked it up at the convention. It's it's $10. I think you can get it for less on comicsology.com. And it, it really it really is a um oh, it's 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 intriguing. Uh I, I don't I don't normally see a comic I look at where I'm initially intrigued by the premise. Normally it's pretty obvious to get to what it's going for. It's like, oh, it's either a superhero or it's realistic or it's gore or it's violence or it's zombies. No, this is a bit more genre blending because you've got this weird, you know, kind of science fiction giant, you know, universal uh, empire, but then with these crazy, you know, different species. Oh yeah, one of the species is from a place called Robot World, but they just have TVs for heads. It's it's very strange. (laughs) Um... (laughs) <laughs> yeah. This reminds me of some kids that I knew in high school. <laughs> yeah, it's the big blocky heads that just keep smacking into the wall. nothing in them repeatedly. except what was on TV. Nope. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's very very interesting. I, I <laughs> I'm looking at some of the pages now. There's a there's a strange scene where this guy goes this, this I guess he's a bounty hunter. Uh, I haven't read all the way through it yet, but he go, he's in a brothel, and the guy who owns the brothel is this incredibly strange creature 
who's got a long rectangular head and a giant grin that like splits his head in half. It's incredibly creepy. <laughs> uh, but the, well, j- just I would say read this. Well, main, you're mainly going to read this for the story. Uh, I mean, the the art, like I said, is not like the most fantastic art I've ever seen, but it certainly is not. You know, <laughs> I I I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't kick this out of bed for eating crackers. That's all I got to say. So, yeah, um, I read that. And another one I picked up, I, I, I found, of course, one of these great places you can find at New York Comic Con, which are these bins that are just full of $5 trade paperbacks. You can find these places, you know, if you look hard enough for them, they're the, uh, it's, it's usually one of the smaller comic book shops they've got on the show floor, but they've got these bins that are just full of $5 trades. And aside from all of the Marvel and DC stuff you can find there, you can also find a lot of strange things from independent publishers, um, one of which is from something I only actually heard of recently at this convention, but it's a uh, publisher called Valiant, and I got a free comic from them that they were just handing out. I found a ol- much, much older copy of the, uh, their stuff. It looks like, i got to check when it was actually produced. Um, I don't see, oh, wait, wait, no, here we go. Um, it was... That's uh, not <laughs> okay. Uh, sorry, yeah. Um, looking here in the book, it's it's from back in uh, the early nineties. Um, uh, it's called XO Man of War, hmm. and uh, this one is titled XO Man of War Retribution. I think I I have to do some more research on this um this comic because I think that it's about about this armor, uh, the suit of armor that different people I think get a hold of at certain points. But this one is an incredibly interesting premise, which I don't think I've ever seen in anything else. Uh, of course, uh, that is why I, I am doing this podcast, to find out about all those strange little things that yeah, we're really may, people may not know. We're here to learn, aren't we? Yes. yes. <laughs> not because we know anything, it's just because we will want to know something. Yes, well, as... Really to know something when you start out, well, anyway, you know, learn. Well, as, and as uh, Ringo Starr said... Uh, you can learn from books. You can learn from books. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so, so anyway, this this uh, this this comic is has a very interesting premise. It. Oh God, damn it! Um, uh, a little ding went off my computer. I'll start again. Um, <laughs> ding. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, this comic has a very interesting premise. It starts out with what appears to be this crazy like barbarian guy on this this spaceship fighting these giant spider aliens, and. He somehow randomly stumbles onto this suit, and uh, you know, once once he's once he's it it, it kind of wraps onto him, and and um, and uh, he he's able to you know escape from the ship, and he plummets down to earth. And then there's this whole crazy, um, you know, back and forth where people are, you know a, a government is trying the government is trying to get a hold of the suit. These aliens are also trying to get a hold of the suit, and it, it's. It, what makes it really strange is that this guy literally is some sort of strange barbarian. I don't know if he's actually, if he's from like a different planet or he's come, you know, or he's been, he's just been like this because he's been locked up or he's come through as a, like a, uh, some, some, some sort of uh, time traveler, you know, by accident. Because he's very clearly, you know, he, he's, he's a barbarian. He can't talk. You can't speak English. So. <laughs> okay. And, well, that makes him a barbarian in my book. Oh, yeah. Wait, well, wait, no, just a second. I, I'm not a, uh, I'm not an. I don't believe in English as an official language. Anyway, you were saying. Yeah, uh, it, it's all. Most of the dialogue, other than other people, it's all of, uh, you know, like captions for what he's thinking. So you get like these really kind of uh, 
crazy, uh, you know, like simplistic views on things that he has. Like he's constantly talking about, you know, like when he when he's trying to hurt someone, he talks, he refers to it as like spilling their juices. Uh, and, and all... So wait a minute, does he land in the United States? No, he lands somewhere. Because you know... I was wondering, you see, this could be a metaphor for illegal immigration. Well, this, this kind barbarian of... from outer space lands here, can't speak the language. You know, what's going on? Is he going to try to take a roofing job away from a real American or what? Well, he's certainly beating the hell out of people with this crazy suit. Uh, no, that doesn't fit. Well, no, I don't know. He, he's, he, he sh- it looks like he shows up in some place. Uh, definitely, it looks like almost Indonesia or someplace. But it's it's really crazy just just because the mo- for the most of the story he can't really speak english until like the very end where, and it's very bad english um but for the most part it's literally only told through these these captions of his you know like like of his thoughts and yeah. that uh, that made it very enjoyable for me just because you know he's having to like interpret all these things that he's experiencing about you know the either this alien culture that's trying to go after him or just how you know the world works like the modern world works and all I have to say is that I mean, the, the art is it's very indicative of the 90s. Um, you know, it, it, much simpler, cleaner, uh, cleaner style, not so inventive as some of the newer stuff that's come out, you know, in the, two, in the late to, you know, late 90s and you know, 2000s. But it um, j- just for the story and the way the story is told, I would say you definitely should pick it up. Um, if, if you can find it. I, I mean, I, I found it at Comic-Con. It looks like it's pretty old. You can probably find it. I would say on Amazon, um, you know, or or ABE Books or something, or no, yeah, a, a yeah, ABE Books, one of those places where you can get used books. I'd say it's probably pretty easy to find that way. Um, but yeah, there's some great shots in here. Like he just leaves this apartment in his suit, or the apartment that he's staying at with this guy, and like he, he's just he's just sick of like being cooped up in the city, so he he just kind of like flies around in in the suit until he finds the the city park, and then just gets out of the suit. It's also you know, the middle of winter, but he's just running around in a pair of underwear, uh, <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden this gang comes, and I guess they're, I don't know what they're trying to, you know, just have some fun or steal from him, but he's basically, uh, like, you know, as he's observing it, he's he's just, he's like, he's like, aha, bandits, they're closing in on me from all sides, like the wolves do in winter, and he's just like, <laughs> and, and, and and he just, it's like, it's like, they're closing in on me from all sides with murder in their eye. Thank you, and he immediately starts to just beat the living shit out of all of them. If only, only to fight them. It's not like you know he actually needs to. He's but he's got like the super warrior barbarian mentality that like he he must he must constantly fight any threat that opposes him and savagely beat it into the ground. Which of course that coupled with him having this crazy you know super you know advanced battle suit just makes it for a very strange. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's just a very strange comic. It's got superhero elements, but the fact that he pretty much just wants to kill every person that he he fights. So it sort of it sounds like it's a little parodic of the barbarian comic genre. Yes, yes. It's very yeah. much kind of like um you know like like the Conan comics. Maybe a, with a little bit. He's a bit a bit more simplistic uh, yes. in his in his mindset than Conan. Grunt the, bar- yeah. grunt the barbarian. Yes. Kind of. Yeah. I'd say, I'd say he, he de- definitely um. It, almost like he would be a, uh, you know, a barbarian from you know, uh, fr- from uh, you know, Conan's tribe, but not not of leadership material. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, but any, anyway, I, I would highly recommend this if you can find it. It's by Valiant. It's called X O Man of War Retribution. Uh, of course, they've still got uh, Man X Man of War comics coming out from Valiant. Uh, I'm probably going to go check those out now. I'd like to see how that eventually developed because this is you know, like I said, this is early '90s stuff. Um, 
But other than that, I I was also reading a bit more of that series I had started reading in the beginning of the podcast. Well, com- confess, you are reading Family Circle reprints in the newspaper. No! No. Yes, you are. I'm not. You don't you know anything under about the covers me. covers with a flashlight. I know. No, don't try to deny it. We've I'll got never, video. No one can know my secret. <laughs> I'll kill you with and, a sound and, effect. And the complete Nancy. You, you recently purchased the 12-volume uh, complete reprint of Nancy and Sluggo for, I think it's over $1,000. I set, don't know it? what you're you talking about. You also did about. that, yes. don't know what you're video. talking about. But anyway, anyway. <laughs> no, I, I'll have to murder my co-host after the show is done so this information <laughs> ever gets out. Um, so anyway, I, I, the only other thing I got time to read this week was uh, I read another issue in the series I started reading at the beginning of the podcast, which is America's Got Powers, and uh, I got to issue three of that. I don't know if issue four has come out yet. I'll have to go check. But there's been more information revealed at this point about um, you know this, this character, the, the main character who appears uh, to... Oh, excuse me. Yeah, there's been more information revealed about the main character... Uh, who appears to have no power in you know uh, in this group of you know super super powered you know um, it's a new group of uh, new generation of super powered children who were born due to this uh, strange crystal crashing to earth but um, what it appears to have happened is that they he he demonstrated some sort of crazy you know um, so, some sort of crazy you know like flash of power in issue one and they've been trying to figure out what the hell's going on with that and they finally seem to have figured out what it actually is in this last comic um hmm. and i i don't hmm. want to spoil it too much because this is really a, an interesting comic series it's it's uh, j- j- just the whole aspect of like it, it's it you know it has to deal with a lot of this crazy uh you know reality tv nonsense that's been going on you know in the uh, in american media lately also combined with you mean um, the election? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, the ironically the biggest uh, you know uh, reality television event that ever happens in America, um, <laughs> yes. which we still have yet to actually admit as a society. But anyway, um, yeah, it, it and of course it also goes into the whole fact. It's it's actually come out more and more in the comic that it seemed early on that it was trying to you know bring up a little bit about. Well, early on it seemed like they had all these children had kind of been gathered together and like put in this institution so they could kind of get a ha- handle on their powers and, you know, not destroy society. But it's come out a little bit more and more that, no, it wasn't just that they were kind of gathered together. They were kind of rounded up very roughly by the military and they're basically being held here at this, uh, this facility and being heavily tested on. So it's not, it's not happy. Um, it sounds a lot like, the school system. Oh, to me. Uh, yeah, yes. Like, you know, well, ex- except if you except if you're tardy from school, they can't really do much about it. Whereas here, they can find you and beat your ass and drag you back. Um, right, right. Which is how the school system should work, in my opinion. But <laughs> that, that's beside the point. <laughs> it should have worked uh, that way on you, right? For sure. But uh, at, at this point, they've they've kind of figured out what the, what the deal is with this power, and in f- future issues, I think that's going to really come into play. Um, but there's also a group of kids who were not captured in the initial kind of rounding up of these um there and uh they they are on kind of like a war path to uh you know release all of these these kids who are held there basically against their will and one of the guys he's got a he's got an ability i I think it just it just looks really cool he had his arms removed at some point during testing you know obviously against his will and he's got these two metal spheres installed in his shoulders but he can project kind of like these energy arms like uh, like proxies for his arms but they can like stretch around and do kind of crazy whiplash 
kind of things. Um, I miss play awesome basketball. Oh yeah, <laughs> just smacks everyone and re- just stands there and reaches across the court, and <laughs> everyone's very very annoyed with him, of course. Um, yes, that, that that is something I've also noticed that's uh, that comes up very a lot. Like in the uh, the X Men movie, there's some kid cheating at basketball with teleportation powers. Yeah, that, that's that's got to that's got to suck. Yeah, yeah. There, there's an, there's even another instance where uh, in one of the X Men comics, um, I believe when Omega Red appears, uh, Gambit is uh, you know horribly cheating at a uh, at, at basketball using his powers. What 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 is this? What what is this? Well, this is this are, is exactly are, what sports are. Sport professional sports are a realm where people who are essentially mutants, totally unlike the rest of the population, can excel. And even in that realm, you uh, you cheat by taking steroids. Oh, of so. course. That's uh, what you call building character. <laughs> building character. He's got a lot of character on yeah, his I've got arms. About, my character's about 18, to 18 inches in circumference here at 6 inches below the shoulder. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I'm, and of course, I, I don't know if that, that element is even is going to come into the uh, you know the America's Got Powers, but it certainly would be interesting um, because it is like a huge kind of like... It, it, they've developed like the sports arena and the sports mentality for people to excel at their training so it's a very it's a very strange kind of cutthroat um cutthroat feel you get from this comic but yeah uh, along with you know obviously brian hitch's amazing art that goes along with this i really is something you should pick up uh, i cannot stress that enough noted. um but anyway stressed. We, we, stressed and noted oh yes yes so um i'm eager to get on to our main review so what have uh, you a been a quick reading? page count from the unman yes yes oh very quick i i won't uh, i won't uh well, what I won't do is uh, tell you what I've been reading. No, no. Um, uh, every day I send my 84-year-old dad, who is also the uh, happens to be the Bent One's grandfather, um, even though the Bent One is not my son, thank God. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't want to be terms. your son. <laughs> the feeling's mutual, pal. Eh. Uh, anyway, every day I send my dad comics, classic comics uh, in email because he can open email and forget sending him a disk and expecting him to delve into folders and files and open them up. No, if it shows up in his email, he can see it. So I read what he's reading, too, and he loves he loves the golden age of newspaper adventure comics from the 1930s and the early 40s. Well, actually, a lot of the 40s. So every day, I'm sitting dad, Terry and the Pirates by Milton Caniff. You should just know these names. This is like the liturgy of uh, early 20th century comics greatness. Uh, Terry and the Pirates by Milton Caniff, uh, Prince Valiant by Hal Foster, before it was boring, back when it was really well drawn, uh, The Phantom by Lee Falk, uh, drawn by Ray Moore um, in the late 30s. Simple, black and white, inky, brilliant, witty piece of comic. And Lil Abner by Al Cap, also when it was smart, before it got boring and stupid. Um, classic art. Uh, the, uh, and... Uh, for my own self, I've been, for some reason, fixated on the uh, early Fantastic Four lately. Uh, I think I'm about up to issue 45 now. Um, just the, those first hundred issues are, are uh, they're, uh, they're like a, a, a great mountain peak in the mighty mountain range of comics history. This is really a standout moment in comics history when Stan Lee and Jack Kirby took, and, and a succession of anchors, some of them great, some of them not so great, took... Um, took the Fantastic Four from a ripoff of an earlier comic that Kirby had done called uh, Con- uh, Conquerors of the Unknown. No, that's not it. Anyhow, it was something of the unknown. It was like a group a group of heroes. They kind of redid that as the Fantastic Four, only different, and 
they took it from this kind of slightly funky, odd, crude thing to, you know, a, a title that's still going today, as quite a number of their titles are from that period. Anyway, great stuff. Uh, if you haven't delved back into those uh, archives, take a break from trying to keep up with the bleeding edge of uh, comics culture and uh, dip back into the pages of yesteryear because uh, you have to be a little more innocent. You have to let go of some of the um, expectations that one develops reading contemporary comics, but the rewards can be great. And I think that's my page count for the week. Excellent. Um, oh, so I, a quick question. Have you kept up with reading? Uh, you, I know last time we recorded, you had mentioned you were reading several different um, issues, several different points in in, uh, in Thor, so several different... Oh, yes, yes, uh, Thor. Have you continued doing any of that? Yes, I have. Um, I'm still reading the Kirby and Lee Thor, and then the uh, Thor from what I think of sort of the middle era, like late 80s, early 90s, um, and then some very recent Thor, like from the last two years. And it's almost like a different character in all three of those. I mean, of course, the earliest Thor is like all the earliest superheroes. He has some troubles. You know, he's he's got a girlfriend that he has trouble, you know, seeing because he's so busy, essentially, being the god of thunder. Uh, and also his dad doesn't like that, you know, she's sort of from the wrong side of the tracks or the cosmos, as in this case. Namely, she's human. And that's really, you know, Odin is very pissed about that chronically. He's really got issues. Um, and... Uh, but he's a very innocent character. You know, he just wants to be noble, and um, he's often misunderstood. The the middle-aged Thor is... Uh, they're starting to tur- to make him into a bit of an egotist, and uh, I think, you know, other people might read it differently. Uh, there, there's room for different interpretations, but it's, it's a very different comic. And then, of course, the most recent Thor, a lot of brilliant art and storytelling in the uh, uh, especially post-Civil War uh uh, prelude uh, to uh, the siege, and then in the siege itself uh, series, I think there are, uh, I think there are Thor comics and that, although I haven't read it yet. Uh, very, very interesting art. Some of the best Thor art ever. Uh, but again, a, a different, very brooding character now. Uh, very, mm, and um, yes, that's. I, I have nothing more eloquent to say at this moment. Yes, well, th- all the Thor comics, I would say, are very, they're all very interesting, just because it deals with a, such a different, you know, kind of take on superheroes, because the the way they ended up eventually writing him was that he was, he is not really a superhero, he's more of just like, you know, he, he's this warrior prince from Asgard who's come over to, you know, basically just kind of hang out with the, the mortal superheroes. He gets involved in our crap, but he's right. not from the he's not from this neighborhood. No, no, and uh, it's it's very clear um, in in a lot of the comics. He really is kind of over here just as as an extension of his adventures over in Asgard. Indeed, there's many comics which focus only on his adventures in Asgard, uh, outside of you know kind of the tales from Asgard, as you mentioned. Right, right. This is the earliest case of that that was a non non earthly uh, some and some of the best Thor comics ever. Uh, I'd love to see some more of that stuff that's just pure fantasy uh, essentially, you know, out, out and away from Earth. Uh, he's a very interesting character because, of course, he, his, his roots go in our culture, in European culture, very deep. These, um, I mean, not, he didn't wear this outfit. He's a completely, he's very elaborate compared to, but he was, a, he was part of a believed religion in Northern Europe at one time. Um, that's, 
that's some heavy magic to be playing with in terms of storytelling and recreating culture. That's not true of Spider-Man. I mean, maybe for some very extreme fans, but um, <laughs> yes, not, yeah. not generally, no. Uh, it's sort of like having like Jesus appear as a super as a comic superhero five hundred years from now. Like, oh yeah, you know, we got this this uh, you know. You look back in these old books, and <laughs> it could happen. It could happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, uh, uh, Neil Adams did a, a comic called Son of God Comics oh, yes. for National Lampoon magazine back in the seventies. Hilarious. Um, he uh, he speaks the magic word, uh, which is uh, a kind of a an annoyed Jesus and uh, the. Um, there's a YMHA basketball team that turns into the Twelve Disciples. <laughs> oh my god! And they swing into action. Oh my god! Against the horror of Babylon. It's great shit. And Neil Adams, great art. <laughs> I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to check that out myself. That sounds I will, absolutely uh, bizarre. Noted. I'll send it to you. All right. Yes. Well, I'll, I'll see if I can find some place that our our listeners can read that, or at least get their hands on it if they wish to purchase it. That, that that's the kind of weird shit that happens in comics. Just indeed, and 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 there there is going to be one episode in the future where I do want to. Uh, well, uh, Comic Book Resources has a as a, uh, a a column which they frequently go back to, which is uh, the strangest comics of all time. <laughs> where and they literally just go through and handpick all these super bizarre moments that that just they they seem like you know who could possibly thought of what this and why they? is it. Yeah, and why is this part of it? I mean, there's another series that they do called, um, you know, like storylines that were abandoned, which is just all about like things that were actually like actually portrayed in the comics as like parts of origins for characters, um, and uh, which were eventually just kind of abandoned because they they were a bit too strange, didn't make any sense, but they're still officially part of the canon. And th- well, and as reader, as listeners will know, if they go to our the website for the uh, podcast, mm-hmm. I just randomly dipping into early Batman comics, find one where Bruce Wayne is spanking his ward as a birthday present, and um, I mean it's just bizarre. I mean, as if there wasn't uh, enough kind of already a little weird with the whole Batman Robin relationship. Uh, seeing Batman spanking Robin in his pajamas, it's just it's just a little over the top. Nineteen forty two, Batman number ten. And, and you wonder why people joke so much about the Batman-Robin relationship. It's because, it's because originally it was very strange. There, was, there were you know, the overtones, uh, the sexual overtones are not completely imag- in the imaginations of dirty-minded uh, right-wingers. Oh, I know. I know. It, it's... Uh, although those, are, those people are very good at finding or creating such overtones everywhere. Yes. Well, um, I think we've gone on long enough about this. I think this. we have. Do you think it's time to kick ass? I think it's, well, well almost. Um, but yes, uh, first I want to briefly go through some bits in the news. Uh, obviously, there's so much news that came out of Comic-Con, and I talked a, a decent amount about this in the Comic-Con recap episode. So, um, at this point, there's really just more kind of industry news. I really prefer to talk about that in my in, in some of the other episodes. So I And I like talking more about the new projects with uh, the unman but unfortunately a lot of that was discussed earlier and a lot of there's so much that just came out i i can't possibly go over all of it you got to go to uh comicbookresources.com for all of that there's just massive amounts there's a special segment that they have just for getting caught up with what came out in new york comic-con 2012 yeah, and i just have to say that i i officially hate the bent one now because he got to go to comic-con and i didn't oh yeah well uh and also a long time friend of the unman um 
John Luciano was there as well. Uh, I didn't. I didn't actually know he was there. I would have met up with him. I am also known get... as the Colonel. Oh yes, I am going to get what? The Colonel. The Colonel. John is the Colonel. Yes. He is the Colonel. All right, that yeah. shall be his name on the podcast then. But <laughs> I'm going to at some point bring him on. He is a lifelong collector of comics, oh, a super comics incredible. enthusiast. He, he, I, all I can say is, sometime he will be on, and you will enjoy it. He started buying Marvel back in the early, in the mid '60s when he was a, a little kid, like seven years old. Now, is that the started, is that the Silver Age? Um, yeah, that's he's the Silver Age, and he wow. started with like Spider-Man number four, which is incredibly <laughs> early. And he has been accumulating his comics to this day as a 53 year old man, approximately. He is buying an incredible sum of comics every month. He loves and lives for comics. I don't know anyone who has read as much comics as the Colonel. <laughs> there are few who can claim such a glorious title. A few but, indeed. But, but, but anyway, um, like I said, so, uh, in, indeed, like the amount of comics he has collected over his lifetime, there is too much news to report on right now uh, to, to really give you a, uh, a taste of it. So I, I will give you only a small taste test. I will tease you so for you the You can news. have a taste, but you can have a little taste. I'll, I'll, I'll throw some food and maybe it'll land on, on near or around your mouth. Um, uh, so anyway, um, first bit of news here. This is a, uh, I, I guess the thing I, it's been going on for a while. I haven't really followed it, but DC has been in a legal battle with, um, the Schuster estate on exactly who owns the copyright for Superman, the different copyright and the different copyrights for it. And recently, um, they, the DC comics was, got, got ruled. It, it was ruled in their favor that they have, you know, uh, due to some, I guess, obscure thing that was signed, some sort of agreement back in, um, oh, back in early 1990s, uh, Schuster Estate somehow is not, um, they, they, they don't, they don't get to, they, they, it was, here it was, they, um, they surrender, he, sur- uh, Joe Schuster, the creator of Superman, he surrendered the ability to reclaim his 50% interest on the property. Um, so it, essentially what this means is after, I think next week, um, DC Comics is just able to use all aspects of Superman, which obviously mm. is is a bit um, important since you know that's one of their biggest characters. And uh, all I have to say is it's it obviously this stuff is going on, and it's so it's so bizarre that things like this continue to happen. Just because look, look does does it really matter? I guess yeah, people need to be compensated for what they've created, but at this point. How much well, money have Super you already Superman made? Was for Action Comics number one came out in 1938. Yeah, it's when is Superman, or for that matter, freaking Mickey Mouse, going to be public domain? How many centuries oh, must pass? Never, n- never. Well, because DC is right. obviously still operating strong. They're never going to release that. It's the, yeah, they're going to control well, the U.S. Congress however they need to do it to keep the mouse private. Right. Well, and of course, there's uh, there's also a similar ongoing legal battle between uh, was it Stanley Media. And uh, Disney, uh, just because I guess they, it, it's one of these weird things where Stanley Media was formed recently, and I I, I assume partially by Stanley, um, maybe maybe not. I, I I don't know enough details. I just know that they're basically they're trying to get some control back over the characters, and of course Disney uh, basically can pretty much say fuck you to anyone who wants to challenge them legally. <laughs> so that's what they're doing at this point. You might get a lawyer, but we have an army of lawyers, right. all wearing those little ears. <laughs> it's absolutely the most yeah. disturbing Disney image I can possibly think of. Disney is evil. Yes. 
So uh, th- th- there's this going on. There's that going on. Uh, le- legal things go legal things going on in all aspects. I prefer not to think too much about this. Obviously, it impacts, you know, the stories that come out that we love so much. But at, at a certain point, you you can't you, you have to kind of tune it out because it doesn't. It, 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 there's no way you can affect this. Uh, you know, obviously with things, you, you can do things such as donate to the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund and, uh, you know, pay for comics as opposed to illegally downloading them to support the continued bur- growth of the industry. But there are certain things like this that's just, okay, these are people fighting between each other for control over a little thing. Um, it's best to just let the children throw sand at each other in the sandbox. That's my opinion. Um, but I agree. But uh, moving, and, and if, if you know, give them knives, what the hell? Um, yes, but, and while but, I'm saying Disney's eh. evil, I have to say Disney owns Marvel. Yes, that 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 was something when that came out. I, I my mind just exploded. I was like, what? What? Yep. What the hell does this even mean? Apparently, not too much. I think it's just kind of a. Not yet. It's an executive level kind of change where nothing really changes in Marvel it's just kind of you know Disney now owns it and then other things can happen on other levels I I guess they they, they started the the ultimate Spider-Man cartoon which I haven't I need to go back and kind of take another look at because initially when I watched it the first episode it was the most horrible schlock I'd ever seen and it just stopped apparently some parts of it are good I don't know it's the same thing the same issue I have which I ranted about um with uh I, I ranted about on my uh, the episode with uh, the New York Comic Con episode with Bonnie, the fact that um, all the good shows that have come out of you know for Marvel or DC, all that kind of good stuff, the really good things don't last, and the shitty things are the ones that are started up. <laughs> like there was the spectacular <laughs> Spider-Man TV show, which was really good, and of course that was canceled, and we didn't get any more of it. And now there's the Ultimate Spider-Man, which is, from what I understand, kind of shitty. But there we go. That's a, that's an argument from another episode for another episode. Indeed. And in another episode, I would love to dig into the question of corporate ownership and its influence on content. Oh, yes. My, my oh, basic the- thesis would be ownership is never 100% independent of content or vice versa. Oh, never. Oh, and, yeah. and th- this, of course, is something that really should be saved for another episode because Indeed. there's also the, the idea to talk about creator-owned comics and how creator-owned comics are becoming a bigger part of the industry. Yes, but yes, anyway, yes. Anyway, Very we, relevant. We, we, get, we have to move on to other mm-hmm. news. Um, there, uh, there are three um, or two other things I just want to mention. First of all is that George Romero is apparently writing a secret zombie comic for Marvel. Um, hmm. Of course, George Romero is most well known for basically creating the zombie sh- subgenre and making them popular. Um, but uh, he he said here it's not going to be involved with ongoing characters in Marvel, which of course would be the Marvel Zombies line, where uh, it, it's essentially kind of like an alternate universe where um, Marvel has uh, in the the Marvel universe has been overrun with kind of like a zombie virus, and all the superheroes have been. Uh, turned into zombies it, it's just kind of a crazy way for them to sell more comics um but uh the it all, all i can say is i mean i I'm, I'm interested in the fact that you know he he's he's doing this i'll certainly check it out um i will have to see where that goes Could uh, be and, very and, interesting night of the living dead 1968 you oh, know yes. uh where has he gone since that time it'd be very interesting to know right um and uh, of course uh, well actually keeping in in the uh the genre of Things eating people. <laughs> Sorry, I just got to adjust my headset. Um, there is a uh, graphic novel coming out in November, uh, late November, called Zoo, which is an adaptation 
of um oh it, 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 it it's it's an adaptation of a i think an existing novel by um james patterson and essentially what it is is it's uh like all different different creatures around the earth all of a sudden have started to become much more aggressive and developed a taste for human flesh hmm. and uh essentially kind of like a crazy you know a, a different take on you know like the end of the world kind of like or a ramped up version of uh, the birds by alfred hitchcock yes yes except for every creature mm-hmm. and uh the, the cover looks really nice it's got some nice you know kind of stencil red lettering and uh, what looks like a, a gorilla's eye staring out between two bars straight at the reader um, oh yes, and the the art and the adaptation is by Andy McDonald. Um, I am unfamiliar with some of his work, but obviously I will be checking this out. I I oh yeah, I I've got there, there's um if you go to the the link that's on the website for uh, comic book resources, which I'll have up, at, it's it's um looking at the art. This is some really really nice art, very realistic. Um, it looks almost from what I'm looking at, at the beginning it's dealing a bit more with uh, with apes so it looks almost like you know a, a, the rise of the planet of the apes movie hmm. uh, which of course is the initial um, you know the initial takeover by the apes of the human race uh, all I have to say is that the, I mean I like the premise uh, uh, the art looks really you know kind of nice and you know, there's lots of you know lots of flat blacks and a lot of really, just a really nice kind of realistic style, and uh, all I gotta say is I am. There's another thing I'm going to keep my eye on, um, and with that bit of news, I will move on to just say. Obviously, there's the the previews that always go up on com- comic book resources for the new comics. Um, there, uh, I'll put up the comics from that came out this week on the 17th. Um, these are from Dynamite Comics. Um, uh, there's also the Marvel Comics on sale for the 24th, which is next week. I'll put up the link for that. You can go check out all of those. Of course, all of the crazy uh, X-Men stuff. Obviously, um, X-Men versus... No, Avengers versus X-Men, uh, Marvel's recent big event just ended. They're doing the a five-issue miniseries called uh, Avengers versus X-Men Consequences, which is... Uh, I, think, I think this was their kind of big event to ramp up right before they start their Marvel Now, which is where they're kind of rebooting a lot of the series. Maybe not, excuse me, maybe not rebooting them, but kind of re- restructuring where the uh, storylines are going. Uh, how, come I actually, are no, how come there are no Mexican superheroes? I mean, why, why, couldn't oh, we have the, well, why couldn't we have the Mex-Men? Well, like, well you know, Mexican I, I, actually, I actually have, I know, I know you, you say that only in jest, but there is actually <laughs> um, a... a a superhero who who recently in in DC who was recently um, kind of adapted for that where he is uh, the Blue Beetle and uh, his the most recent incarnation of the Blue Beetle was actually I believe he was a, a Mexican teenager. Um, oh, yeah, the Blue Beetle was yeah. of course a Golden Age uh, hero yes, from yes. the forties. Yeah. M- much like um, character different different characters in the DC universe like Green Lantern, constantly the the aspect of the character was changing and different different people. Uh, you know, assumed the mantle of the Blue Beetle. Most recently, he was, um, he he had been, uh, uh, what was it? it? It was some sort of alien technology that had kind of latched onto him, like this suit that allows him to do things. And but, but there's actually a bit, bit of news about that. Um, DC is actually canceling that that line of or that that run of comics in January. So uh, I don't know whether it's due to sales or they just 
they don't want to continue with the character anymore. Um, these things do happen. Um, but like, like I said, there are all sorts of new comics coming out constantly. Um, yeah, so I'll put up the previews from you know the different comics that came out in seventeenth, the stuff that's coming out next week from Marvel, stuff that's coming out from DC. You can go check that out. And cheering um, crowds, cheering crowd sounds. Yay! Hey. Hey. Whoop. More comics. Whoop whoop. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> that is that has been the news. Um, oh, I completely forgot to play the news uh, intro. I'll have to edit that in a post. And I'll edit this out Indeed. as well. But okay, so without um, without Further any more doo-doo. delays. Let's get on to the main. Um, yeah, let, let, let's get on to the main review for this episode, which is Kickass. Kickass. Kickass, which of course is um, written by Mark Miller and drawn by John Romita Jr. Yep, published from February two thousand eight right. to February two thousand ten. Yes, this is uh, by Icon Comics, which is. Um, it's a Marvel imprint. I uh, yes, it, and uh, it is it. Is it a Marvel imprint? Yeah. Okay, interesting. Yep. interesting. Yes, I- Icon Comics is known for their much more, you know, kind of out there, um, bizarre, oh, uh, it, 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 there's, there's a lot more kind of violence and gore in those comics. And this comic does not disappoint. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the initial kind of advertising on the comic book covers are kind of very tongue-in-cheek things. They say uh, it was the, the greatest superhero book of all time is finally available. Or sickening violence just the way you like it. Right. And this this book does not disappoint on many levels. In fact, I'm going to let the unman lead off on this interview. Uh, not this interview. I'm going to I'm going to let the unman lead off on this review <laughs> because um, it, well it, now it should be noted he did not finish reading all of it. He's oh, a no, bad no. podcaster. But for, but for the best of all, he's possible a bad reasons. podcaster. Uh, I'm a bad. No, no. I, I had the best of all possible reasons for not finishing this series. I was enjoying it so much. I started to go back and reread some of the comics before I even got through the eight issue run. Right. Um, John Romita Jr. has done incredible work uh, in a number of comics. I first saw him doing uh, Spider-Man, which I knew as a kid from his dad's art, John Romita, the senior. And uh, his art, the art is is solid. There's almost nothing to say about it, except it's very satisfying to look at. It's very old school, a lot of pen and ink. It's blocky. It's blocky, and uh, you you can see the tools on the paper kind of uh, art, but very... You were going to say something? Oh, no, I was going to say, yeah, if you have to describe it in one word, it's it's very very blocky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And eh. uh, tongue-in-cheek and, and also kind of uh, interesting because a lot of questions get raised as I read this comic. Like, um, and there have been a lot of comics that, maybe since Watchmen especially, where you really question the heroism of the heroes. What are they up to? Who are these people dressing up in funny tight clothes and, and hitting other people for their, forget their jollies? Here in Kick-Ass, you have a situation where the heroes are at least as criminal as the people they're fighting. Um, you know, the very first thing that, that Kick-Ass, this teenager who uh, decides to become a superhero, does, is he assaults some guys who are spray-painting a wall. I mean, he hits one guy in the face with a sort of a weighted leather baton, and um, they, as uh, the bent one might say, they, they exercise the right to self-defense very vigorously. Uh, <laughs> oh, yes. be a, a mild way of putting it. But he's the one who really starts... He makes it violent. You know, he's the one who starts the fighting. And then later on, you have a new superhero, Hit Girl, appears, <laughs> who, who just kills everybody. Uh, you know, this this is... You know, in the real world, this would not be okay uh, to just chop people up, even when they're trying to surrender or crawl away from you and they're, they're not threatening oh, well, your it, life. It, indeed, it, when Indeed, she, when she shows up, I think, you know, Kick-Ass is just 
you know, he's just, he's just like, it's like, what the hell is going on? Like, who are you? She's like, say, hey, can I just talk to you? No. By the way, you should get the fuck out of here. The police are coming. What are you? So I believe the line is, are you insane? Yeah. Get out of here before the police show up. Exactly. <laughs> uh, she's a very articulate 10-year-old girl. Oh, girl. yes. <laughs> yeah, there, there are... There are issues with her, her upbringing. I think I think as, as, she, as she says in one of the later issues, kind of focuses on her side of the story and her her origin. Um, she, she basically says, uh, "Oh well, let me let me see if I can pull it up here." Um, well, I'll, ra- I'll rave about the series while you're looking for the image. I just want to say this is uh, hilariously violent. Uh, the violence is very tongue in cheek. Blood is is strewn around panels, sort of like if you imagine silly string being squirted out into the air. <laughs> You know, blood squirts out of everything all over the place. There's a lot of blood, and yet uh, it's it's more... It's strangely funny. Um, and uh, I, I just think it's it deserves... it's It deserves everything people have said about it. And I know uh, this, this oh, yeah, is not yeah. exactly an unacknowledged, forgotten comic. Okay, yeah, I, I found it here. It, it basically, to, to sum up, you know, what, what Hit Girl is all about, it says, uh, to say that my childhood has been unconventional would be pretty accurate. It, it, essentially, she's... She's been raised by this father who appears to be he, he he's got a very kind of um, uh, he, I'd say he's styled after the character styled after Frank Castle from The Punisher, um, you know, that he's he's supposed to be an ex cop. Uh, uh, his family, you know, uh, his wife was killed um, by the this by these mobsters and he's, he's only going after them to, you know, to avenge her. And of course, he's brought with the difference is he's brought his his daughter along. This essentially would, uh, I can only assume that Frank Miller drew, um, you know, drew inspiration from the, uh, from the Punisher storyline with the exception of uh, like, what would happen if the Punisher had, you know, if one of his children had survived um, and he brought his, his child along to, to, you know, to join in with the, the bloody crusade. Well, you know, the idea that comics feed into this comic is of course, right oh, spot yes. because this is a comic that's about comics. It's a fact if you want to trace this weird feedback loop, the the character, the teenage boy who becomes the hero, kick would be hero, kick ass, is a comic book fan. He gets his his whole worldview has been demented by reading superhero comics. Uh, this is how he almost gets himself killed dressing up in a wetsuit. He gets through uh, through eBay. Oh yes, <laughs> and going out and, and making trouble with people. Um, so you have comics are in the, the there are comics in this comic. The hero is a guy who's been sort of who's bought into the worldview of the comics too far. And uh, then the comic comes back to us as a comic, you know, it, it's and, and messes with our worldview even more as we read it. So it's very um, intellectually, there's there's these circles or spirals going on with the, you, the reader, the comics fan reading this comic about a comics fan who takes this world too seriously and gets fucked up and uh, very a lot of fun there. Oh, yeah, it, it's it's really a, a almost like a love note to the whole mindset of. You know, a comic book fan. Just, I, I think at one point in, in one of the early issues, he basically just says, you know, why, "Why hasn't anyone tried to become a superhero?" And his friend, of course, says, "Because it's impossible." Because you'll get your ass kicked. Yeah, he's, he's like, he's like you go out there and some dude will destroy you. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and of course, that is immediately what happens. And, and to a very, I, I don't think this is too big of a spoiler. Um, he, you know, he tries to go out, like you said, he beats up on these these you know, punks who are like tagging or, you know, they're spray, doing some spray painting in this back alley. And the one guy just gets like, you know, really pissed at him because he's actually beating them up with like, you know, a baton. And he just says, it basically just goes and stabs him in the chest <laughs> and leaves like him that, to die. Fuck you. Yeah. And <laughs> he, he stumbles into the street and then gets hit by a car. And it, and the first issue ends with him being pretty much on the brink of death. 
Yes, uh, and, and, a, and a hilarious. Uh, basically, what he's worried about is he lies there with a, with a crushed spine, uh, a punctured lung, two broken and, legs, and two broken legs. Yeah. Is my dad is going to kill me? Right. You know? uh, he's, he's a, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he w- wakes up in the hospital, and uh, things, of course, go from bad to worse. Uh, they do. We won't we won't reveal yeah. too much. Except but uh, I, I, I love I, that's that yeah. one of the great things about this comic. He that that uh, they they actually touch a little bit more on in the movie that they, there was a movie adaptation of this, which I will talk about in a moment. But he essentially like he he, he was almost kind of like his body was almost kind of destroyed by. You know, you know, getting beaten up by these punks, stabbed, and then hit by a car, and he's had all this reconstructive surgery. So he's got like, you know, metal pins and plates in his head, and, and you know, his bones and everything. And a lot, he's lost a lot of feeling uh, in his <laughs> body. So essentially, like that's his his superpower is that he's just he, he's he, numb. He doesn't feel a lot of pain <laughs> because of all this reconstructive surgery. He's so fucked up that he can he can go like you know. Right. Uh, there, there's actually funny. a scene later on. I don't think you got to this yet, but. He forms a plan for how to get out of a very nasty situation by basically goading the guys into... He's tied to a chair, goading... And he's, he goads the people who have tied him up and are torturing him to basically beat him so badly that the chair breaks and he's able to get up and start beating them back. And, uh, hey, if it works, I guess it works. But the, well, the, the next time I'm tied to a chair by monsters, I'm going to remember that, that yes, one. That, I mean, that's, that's, how, that's how it works. The worst thing that to you is that they would, they would beat you unconscious and the torture would be over. That's true. That's true. Yeah, um, yeah. That's just not a bad outcome, considering what you know torture by monsters can be. Right. Uh, but that, that's one of the great things about this comic is there are a lot of little weird things, and that's Mark Miller's style of writing is that uh, he 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 puts in these kind of strange uh, elements, like, like um, you know things that would happen. You know, like like what would happen if these people were in this situation in real life, um, and one of them is. <laughs> There's a great moment. You actually, you, you were you were uh, commenting on this earlier about how when Kickass first encounters Hit Girl and she's just she's literally just cut apart this entire room of low level you know drug dealers, and at the very end, like you know she he she's killed the last person and she turns to him and he basically is like, hey, leave me alone. Just get the fuck away from me. This this is pepper spray, man. <laughs> of course, she's just <laughs> killed seven guys with two samurai swords. So I don't think she's really gonna care. It's just, uh, just like, look, relax, we're on the same team, kick ass. Right, right. You know, the uh, only reason she doesn't kill him is that he's essentially, you know... He's, he's, just, a, he's just like... Well, he's, he's, he's not he, on the list. He's what, like 16 years old in high school yeah. wearing a, a wetsuit from eBay? Yep. He's clearly not doing this professionally. No. Anyway, it's... it's uh, I mean, one could go on and on. The temptation with a comic like this just to retell oh. it all... Th- this is a classic comic. ...and can't get away from you oh, yeah. because it's all so much fun. So, yeah, well, I, it, I, I, will, I will say one thing... Um, this this comic is great uh, because of one element which I have finally kind of uh, after looking at so many things that I really like and looking at things I don't like I finally found one of the key elements to a good story and um, I, I I don't know if this is common knowledge to people who study study literature maybe the unman can shed some light on this but the the one element I found is that anytime a story goes in it takes sudden, you know, sudden turns. Uh, I'm not talking about plot twists, you know, uh, like, uh, you know, like the famous plot twists in M. Night Shyamalan movies where things just totally get thrown for a loop. I'm talking about the story still stays on track, but things and decisions are made by characters that seemingly were unexpected um, or, or things that they say just seem to come out of the blue, but still fit in that, you know, that, that genre of what you're trying to tell the story in. Or just, you know, like I said, the story continues in its same 
in the same pace. It still continues in the same direction it's heading to, but things just happen seemingly randomly. And that's, of course, how real life works. That's why real life is so interesting to live, because you don't, like, with these constant thousands of people making small decisions every day, weird things will happen. And, yeah, and, you know, and, that, and that element in a story yeah. like Kick-Ass, you know, like, like, like I said, in the first issue, you would expect, okay, maybe the punks to just beat him up and leave him lying there and he crawls back to his apartment and he regrets his decisions. No, the guy just stabs him in the chest and he gets hit by a car. You wouldn't have seen that coming and you won't expect it coming. Well, obviously now you will because you've... Uh, you, you've heard well, us talking about you, it. If you've made the mistake of listening to right. but, your brain on comics podcast, but but still, <laughs> even if you know that kind of thing is coming, the fact that you are you see it and you read it in the story, it's not something that normally happens in that kind of story, and that's what makes it interesting. Different, different, slight little takes on on standard themes and stories. Yes, it's breaking the 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 unwritten rules of constructing. A comic story and uh, doing it very playfully and cleverly at, a, at almost every turn so uh, kudos to this comic and its makers uh, and I know that we're very far from the first to have noticed this but sometimes a comic that's just famous and well regarded needs to be praised <laughs> exactly and, and uh, I, I do think that this is one of those um, yeah, it, it's one of those f- comics which you know at this point obviously it's, it's become a very popular comic in you know the in the fandom but as time goes on, I really think that this will be one of those comics that is is talked about more and more. It becomes one of these kind of classic, you know, you know the, these these essential titles that people are going to want to read. Um, I mean, like, uh, it, it obviously it's not you know on the same level as something you know like the the classic characters of Spider Man or you know the Fantastic Four or you know Batman or Superman, but it's still. It, 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 all of these elements were brought together in this story. There's, you know, you've got great art by a, you know a master of of comics art. You've got amazing colors. You've got someone, you know, Mark Miller is, you know, he, he's very famous for all of his his writing style and all the work he's done in comics. It's a perfect kind of, you know, uh, um, culmination of all these talents. Uh, it, uh, and you get you get this amazing product at the end, where really fun to look at, uh, really fun to read, and with a really good story. It's rare you get something with that many, you know, elements that all line up on the same level in comics. And uh, I would say, in the end, that's why this is one of my favorite comics to read. I'm ashamed I don't own it yet. I will at some point. I will own a hard copy because, uh, yeah, you, you're hey, also, hard copies for hard guys. Your, your fancy, fancy digital comics may be, may be nice, but um, having a, a book you can hold in your hand. You can and, roll and it up and kill, kill a wasp with it. You know, try that with your iPad, huh? <laughs> Might work once, but not twice. <laughs> exactly. Um, so uh, I will have to say, um, oh, uh, yeah, I'll give my, my rating system for this. Uh, I would say um, for the quality, I'd have to give it a 10 just because, you know, um, this is one of those few comics where you can literally say, you look at it and you go, it's it's damn near perfect. Um, the the uh you know the art by John Romita Jr coupled with the the coloring um i can't remember who the colorist is oh god i'm so, um uh, i can pull that up for you here in a second keep talking yes yes uh well we'll just i'll edit it in it's got to say it somewhere here um oh wait god damn it it's fucking you're you're uh oh wait here it is uh damn it damn it damn it oh uh it's uh dean white oh yeah um uh, colors by dean white and it's 
absolutely like uh, everything about it is like super rich it, it's got a very rich pungent look to it uh, and I know pungent normally is not a word you describe things to look at but it I think it applies here so yes 10 on quality um, for uh, creativity I'd have to say this is probably um, oh I, w I would say uh, oh I, I don't know <laughs> Who says we have to rate things? Well, I, I'd say it's probably about a I nine. We, we just like to be judgmental. That's all. Yes, I, yes. I think it's I'd, a fine I'd, thing. I'd probably say it's probably a. Um, it, it's it's definitely a close up. It's either an, an eight or a nine on creativity. No, I'm going to give it a one out of ten instead of contrary, just to be contrary. Eh, yes, yeah, a one out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> you, you ass, ass. Well, and then of course the entertainment. This is definitely a ten for entertainment. Like I said, with a comic this good, I don't feel bad giving it top ratings because it really is a top-level comic. You read this, and it, <laughs> it, it's, it's so fun to read this. There, there are so many things which will make you laugh out loud, um, or, or just bizarre little things like, <laughs> like, in, like um, uh, uh, the, the, the guy Kick-Ass, uh, you know, uh, you know say, mentioning at the beginning of the comic, he's like, oh, don't get me wrong, I, 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 like my, I like girls my own age, but there's something... Uh, incredibly alluring about my 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 fifty year old uh, my forty four year old biology teacher. Yes, and this this guy who's the, who ends up this is the guy who ends up uh, pretending to be gay so he can hang out <laughs> with the hottest girl in the okay. uh, in his class. <laughs> which which does not end well for him as you can uh, as you can nothing guess. Do, nothing does. I should no, think. No, but um, uh, but yeah, this incredibly fun comic to read. Uh, there are some crazy plot twists in it. Uh, as a, as a, a, you know, going along with you know just the general good writing for it, and. Uh, it, it's a comic you can read through uh, eight issues you can get through to the end and you will be satisfied that you've read it and guess what if you want more there is more there's another eight issue uh, uh, is it eight or seven issues um close well, enough well yes well th there's another there's another mini series for this um which is uh kick-ass volume two and that deals a lot more with uh the the kind of the kind of cultural phenomenon that happens because of you know, kick ass, uh, you know, kind of getting out there and being a real life superhero. It becomes more of a, a regular thing. And of course, the villains, the people who don't want to be the superheroes, they want to be the villains start showing up. And then, uh, and then things get yes. interesting. I actually know nothing about the second uh, volume. Uh, I really Except want to go same read writer it. writer and also penciled by John Romita Jr. Yes, it is. It is. Uh, the same feeling is, of course, carried on. You can't, you, this is one of those comics, like, the first one is so perfect. You can't change things if you continue it. It has to be the same. <laughs> so obviously, that that is what happens. You can go, you can go check that out. You, all these are available, you know, at all the different places. You can get these from your local comic book store. You can get them from Comicsology.com. Uh, you can get them online. Uh, you need to read this comic. That's all I'll say. There are other comics you can get away with not having read. I think this is one of those that you need to read. I will say that. Uh, and uh, I don't care if you listen to me or not. You will regret not reading this because it's just so damn good. But I already regret knowing you. <laughs> well, that's that goes without saying. Um, but there, I, I uh, oh, and I, I did say I was going to mention this. There is a movie that they did of this, um, and uh, they, they did they had to change some elements. They had to remove some elements. Actually, one of the big plot twists at the end, they had to remove that just to make the story kind of make a little bit more sense to be a movie. Um, without going some sort of crazy, you know, Quentin Tarantino or M. Night Shyamalan route with it. But the, the movie is, is every bit as kind of funny as, as the comic. Um, I would say it's, it's not on the same level. You know, it, comparing, this, comparing this type of comic to a movie, uh, the movie is definitely more of kind of like a, you know, a high, a high production B movie. 
but there's still a lot of the crazy kind of nonsensical violence that happens and a lot of the same a lot of the same lines that are funny get woven into it um and i would say the movie is also worth watching um if only to watch nicolas cage run around as a pro- as a as a strange fetishy version of batman and, and any movie nicolas cage in is just kind of ridiculous at some point and this is one of the few movies i'd say that nicolas cage is probably worth watching in just because he acts so bizarre of course nicolas cage used to be a very good actor still still probably is but does not do the type of movies that it can be noticed that he's a good actor hey hey if anything look you're watching a movie you know that's based on a comic book which is kind of weird meta comic book experience about some guy who decides to become a superhero from reading too many comic books why not have nicolas cage in that movie why not that's all that's it we're not going for uh, for photorealism. Here. No, <laughs> of no, course no, no, not. No, 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 no. Oh, there's actually a very interesting scene in, or, or a sequence in the movie where they explain his backstory. You know, the, the hit girl and her, her companion, Big Daddy. Uh, uh, no, no, no uh, relation uh, to the uh, the Bioshock Big Daddies from um, that game. But uh, there's a sequence where they basically describe his, their their origin story as he's narrating it, but it's all done with like these. It, it's like a 3D vectorized version of, um, you know, scenes from this comic. It, it, lo- it looks like it, it's it's based on John Romita Jr.'s art style. Hmm. And if you if you read the book, if you read the comic, and you go watch the movie, you'll be very happy with that scene, just because you it's like you get to see a little bit of John Romita Jr.'s art in the movie, and it's like new new scenes that were not in the comic. Um, so yeah, I would say if if you like the, the like the comic, you should go check out the movie. Not necessary. Uh, the comic is. Uh, fantastic on its own, but yes, I, I think uh, I think we've blathered on long about enough about this comic. Well, it's, uh, a, it's a great one, and uh, let's leave it at that. Yeah, general consensus uh, required reading for any comic book <laughs> I think fan. it's time for huzzah! Huzzah! Oh, indeed, indeed. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'll edit that in post. But yes, um, so uh, a quick recap of what we reviewed. I talked about uh, Exo Man of War Retribution from Valiant Comics as the 1993 uh, collected. Um, trade paperback uh america's got powers issue three which you can get you know from your local comic book shop or comiXology.com uh talked about saga from image Uh, it's a very intriguing comic of intergalactic robotic headed people and uh you know (laughs) goat goat worship uh uh, fiery and human goat worship um (laughs) sounds good and uh and at the Unman, I believe you talked about uh, Golden Age newspaper comics, uh, and yes. Fantastic Four from the first one hundred, and and Thor, the the, the, oh, yes, the, yes, the different Thor, Thor, which I'll have more coherent observations perhaps in the future about the very long history of Thor, which yeah. I don't pretend to have read. Who has read oh, no. all of Thor? Well, a well, lot of people actually probably, but that's another day. Yes, uh, another day for a series of episodes I plan to work <laughs> on. I'll with, tell you uh, guys, about the about Colonel. a. Yeah, I'm talking here. The Shut Colonel up. The Colonel has read it all, Shut man. up. Shut up. Even. The Colonel. The Colonel. Yes. <laughs> it, uh, well, all the more reason to get him on to talk about. I, I, I think I think I'm planning. Uh, here's a little tease for you. I'm planning a few episodes where we get a bunch of the, the golden oldies here. We get the, the Unman, his brother, the Grim One, and the Colonel to all talk about what it was like to be. Um, you know, old school comic fans, and to be the, uh, mold, the moldy oldies. That's oh yes, us, man. yes, and, and yeah. to talk about some of the original runs of things like Spider-Man, Thor, X-Men, um, you know, uh, Doctor Strange, all of those original classics 
uh, the, the iconic figures in you comic book history. Don uh, your adult diapers and get out the walkers and wheelchairs, man. You <laughs> prepare for a, a, <laughs> a, a, a veritable um, sp- splatter fest of, of brain <laughs> knowledge about comics. So anyway, um, that that has been this has been uh, the the latest issue, the latest episode, the latest. Uh, brain dump of comics knowledge from oh, your brain on comics. You're, be- you're beautiful. You're beautiful. Mwah, mwah, mwah. You're so beautiful. Thank you. Except you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we're well, just talking. I, I know. So anyway, um, uh, we got to get this shtick out of the way. Um, the, uh, you can find our all of our episodes and uh, show notes on yourbrainoncomics.wordpress.com. You can email us with any questions, comments, or uh, maybe even audio recordings you want us to play at yourbraincomics at gmail.com. You can get updates on the show at YBOC, no, excuse me, at YBOComics on Twitter. Uh, you can find us on iTunes uh, by searching comics and looking on, I think it's the second or third page of the results, or just type in Your Brain on Comics and we'll show right up. Uh, rate us five stars if you get a chance, if you like it. Hey, you can even subscribe. You can subscribe from our website as well. Um, but uh, one of the reasons to go to the website is, of course, for all the pictures, links, and um, special reviews by the Unman, which are not featured on the podcast, such Brilliant as... Brilliant stuff, if I do say so. Brilliant. Yeah, such as uh, musings on early Fantastic Four, the racism in Tintin comics, and uh, Batman spanking Robin. For no reason <laughs> at all. So yeah, go, uh, oh, go yes, there. it's all there. <laughs> it's all there, just waiting to slip into your brain and haunt your nightmares. Just just um, there to, to let your juices out or whatever that barbarian guy does. Oh yes, he wants to spill the juices. Spill he your wants... juices is gonna spill the juices of your soul. Yes, go 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 to <laughs> go to the, the the website, obtain the new skin and become the all powerful one. I don't know. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I do know <laughs> well, that's what, what comics I, do to you. They're uh, they're well known to uh, they get into your brain, seduce and, the innocent. Yes, yes. Go go to the website and find more ways to do, to seduce your innocence with comics. <laughs> and with that said, um, go read some comics. Go read more comics. Always more comics. Fantastic cast is Cynthia Adler, Bob Maxwell, Bill Murray, Jim Pappas, Gary Gerhyden. Narrated by Smiling Stan Lee. I don't believe in English as an official language.